It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show. And as you know, we oh, we listen to all types of music, funk, R&B, soul, and whatnot. And we love, love, love the jazzier side of funk, definitely. And absolutely with the Royal Potato family and all the great artists that they bring our way. And it is my honor to have on the phone a gentleman, <laughs> Scott Amendola. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Well, it's an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. It's really cool. You got this new project called Amandola vs. Blades, but this isn't your first album. You had an album before this prior, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's not really a new project, but it's a new record. Yeah, but we have a we have our first record we put out a couple of years ago. We called it Greatest Hits, <laughs> and, uh, and it just came out uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, so for those who are, aren't familiar with you, kind of introduce yourself, kind of give a little bit of background about how you got started in this industry and exactly, you know, how you how it became a full-time job for you more than anything else. How did you get kind of latched into the music industry? Well, you know, it's the kind of thing where when I was really little, I was really interested in music and I was banging on stuff from before I could, you know, do anything according to my parents. Um, and... Um, uh, went to music school, went to Berklee College of Music after, you know, I mean, I played music all through elementary school, middle school, and high school, and was in bands, and was had an interest in jazz at a pretty young age, and um, my grandfather was a guitar player in New York City, and we used to play together a lot, and uh, so I, it's kind of like, you know, my trajectory, I mean, was to to be a musician and the drums were immediately my interest. There wasn't any swaying from that. Um, and then I, I went to Berkeley College of Music, like I said, and I spent four years in Boston and then moved back to um, New Jersey to be around New York City and had visited San Francisco again the summer of 91 and really loved it. And then after being in New York for a little while, I, was, I just had to go west. And uh, so I haven't turned back ever since. And then I met people like Charlie Hunter and Will Bernard and John Schott and Nels Klein and a whole slew of other people that I've been just playing with over, you know, many, many years now. <laughs> New York is a really big hub for music. What did you feel like that just wasn't your thing and you felt like the West Coast better suited you? What was the reasoning for migrating from, from east to west? Well, you know, having grown up outside of New York City and I love New York and going to hear music and everything it was it was great and, and it's an amazing city, like you said. And then living in Boston and just spending this really focused time practicing. I I think I went through a lot of musical things in Boston, a lot of things that I thought that, you know, I was going to do after. And then when I got to New York, it was great. But after visiting California and having this feeling of like, I really need to try this because, you know, at that point I was like 22 and um, 23. And I was like, um, you know, I'll try it. But I don't, I felt like it. I'll just, I'll just head back west and head back east. Um, and there was, it was a really vibrant time. But, but I, you know, I, I think there was something I was looking for when I when I left the East Coast, which was just something different. You know, it's like I just wanted something different. And um, and when I visited San Francisco, and I'd actually met some users, I'd met Kenny Walt and Larry Grenadier in Boston. They had spent a couple months there, hanging out, and they told me a lot about. San Francisco and um, 
it just sort of seemed like something that would work for me, which sort of surprised myself because I was very much on this trajectory to be to go to New York, be like a studio drummer, be like Steve Gadd and like Dave Ruckel and like get all blah blah blah. But that just really shifted. I mean, actually, you know, the really big shift for me was when I was 20. I auditioned for Michelle Camilo's gig, and I didn't get it. But I had uh, a relation direction I wanted to go in after that. And that really shook things up for me, you know, both consciously and subconsciously. So how did you meet Will? Uh, well, Will and I met through a friend. Um, he, uh, he moved into this house in Berkeley and this uh, old roommate, really dear friend of mine, we were talking, she's like, oh, this, this guy moves in, he plays the organ. He's really good and he's really nice. He's from Chicago, blah, blah, blah. So I went over there and um, he had his organ in his room and and, uh, and we just, I think we, we started jamming a little bit and talking and then we started playing a little bit with Will Bernard in a trio. And, uh, and then I had this idea I'd been listening a lot to Duke Ellington's Fari Suite, and I was like, it'd be fun to play this music, and I had this idea to play it with him, and I presented that idea to him, and he was totally open to it, and um, so that sort of started the duo, and we started playing that music, and and then, you know, I've, I've only, I love playing in duo, and I've been playing in duos forever. I, Charlie Hunter and I, after we started playing together, played a lot of duo gigs. Um, just locally in um, in San, the San Francisco area. There was this little restaurant we'd play at, and then we'd play at clubs, we'd open for bands. Um, and we didn't really, Charlie and I didn't really do the full-on duo thing, like making records and touring with him until a few years ago, like about four or five years ago. Um, but um, I had a duo, I still do have a duo with Sex Holborn and Phil Greenleaf. So we've been playing since the 90s. And I love the idea of duo, and with the world, and it really is his total commitment and his mastery of the hymn. And it's really fun. There's so much sound you can make in duo, and there's so much space you can leave in duo. And um, so, and it just works. We have this really great, uh, we have this really great connection musically. And and um, so, you know, that's important. If you don't have that, then it doesn't matter who you <laughs> so, so when we when we met, there was a connection already, and and um, and it just started to grow and build, and we just started playing a lot, and and um, you know, and here we are, and yeah, and we made so when we made the first record, we wanted to, to really um, we wanted to like represent that duo thing, and we recorded it live um, at this club we were playing at a bit. In, in Oakland and then when we were making this record and we got some funding for it we really wanted to go in and use the studio and add guests people we've been playing with and make a record that was more produced that's really something I wanted to do I wanted to sort of have us explore the studio a little more uh, really really showcase the duo but also um, use the studio and make a record that you know from beginning to end tell some kind of a story and um isn't just about like solos and jamming but it's really about sort of that the, the um, conversation and the connection of the, the songs and stuff 
Right. Well, for those of you just joining us, I am on the phone with uh, drummer extraordinaire, Scott Amendola, and we're talking about his project with Will Blades that is called Amendola versus Blade. Why versus instead of and? Well, if you ever hang, spend about three minutes hanging out with me and Will, you'll understand that we have this sort of ridiculous way of relating to each other, which is just kind of like pretty comedic and. Um, and you know when I was thinking of uh, what to thinking about what to call it, you know, band names are like impossible, and it just sort of like became like this, this thing. I was like, how about Amendola versus Blades? Because <laughs> you always have like you know you list band name people that like Minnesky Martin Wood, which is a great name, or or so and so and so and so, or blah blah blah, and, and like we have this sort of like jokey kind of like little battle, you know, and it's um, so it's just sort of an extension of our. Our ridiculousness, as Will says. <laughs> right. The new album is called "Everybody Wins," and and obviously at the core of it, it's it's you and keyboardist Will Blades. But you know, only three of the songs in the album feature just the two of you. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about how those songs came about. Were those the first ones that were created for this project, or were they just you know created as filler at the end or in the middle, or a, a little bit of culmination of all those things? Well. You know, writing music is tricky, and what we went into it with the idea that we were going to have these guests, but not knowing where they were going to be. So, you know, as we started jamming and working on tunes, we were like, oh, it would be good to have Skerrick here, and it would be good to have Jeff on this, and then we would be good to have both of them here. And then, um, so it, through the process of playing the tunes and, and just working on them, we sort of were hearing what we wanted where, you know, and and what we thought would work and sound good and and but we didn't want to showcase the duo, so we wanted to make sure we didn't like make it the whole record to have all the guests and we sort of choose chose our spots for the duo features really. Um and because that's you know, we're gonna do like we're touring right now in in a quintet, but we're gonna tour Easy. Well, we'll do some touring just with like a trio or quartet. You know, it's like. But ultimately, we want we, we want to you know showcase the duo more. But um, but that's really the, the process of writing. You know, you'll you'll for, for me, it's like a, we'll play something and I'll be like, oh, it'll be cool to to have those guys. And and, uh, and they're also such great musicians that they're they're gonna make our our concept work, or they're gonna have ideas too. Um, so I mean, that's really it. It was really about. Conceptually showcasing the duo, wanting to, but but then add Jeff and Skerek and Ciro and and have them, you know, work within the music. Like you know, depending on the song we, we talk about, like Metropoli and Hustle, that's the one which is pretty open, and the whole idea is it's group improv, and we absolutely wanted everybody on that, you know. Yeah. And speaking of which, I mean, there's a laundry list of guest appearances on this album. I mean, you, as you mentioned, you mentioned Skerek from Les Claypool's project. Uh, you have Baptista from Herbie Hancock and Sting's band, Jeff Parker, and of all people, Laurie Anderson's keyboardist Rob Berger. So that's, I mean, that's an eclectic group right there out of the gate because that that's not really, you know, while they all had their hands at some point in, in certain grooves, it doesn't really kind of lend itself really to to a, a, a funk scenario but i think that's kind of the root of everything but are you all in the studio at the same time or did you you know cut the tracks and then they came in and contributed their parts or exactly how, how did you get all these people involved what was the, the current past relationship with these with these folks 
Well, with Skerrick and Jeff, we've played with them before. We've toured with them um, playing our music. And I've, I've actually known Jeff since 1987. And he's on a couple of my records. He's on my record, Lift. I have a trio record with him. And he's on a record called Believe. And... Um, and he's on uh, one of Will's records also called Field Notes. Um, and we just love, I mean, Jeff to me is like one of the most unique, interesting voices on the guitar and in music and just um, just one of the most, just the heaviest musicians I know. So we love playing with him and Skerrick's played with us too. And Skerrick is like a groove machine, you know. He's, he's got this really incredible rhythmic element and, and sonic palette that, that totally lends itself to what I'm about musically and what works with us. And then Ciro played with us about a year and a half ago. We did some gigs with Jeff and Ciro. And I just had this idea, like, man, how great it would be. To, I've always wanted to play with a percussionist. But when I met him through Nels, through Nels Klein and, uh, you know, I, that relationship is a, is tricky, but it works so well with him. He's so unique and so musical. So, um, so you know, with those three guys, it was it, 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 they they totally fit musically and conceptually what we're about. Me as well, not not just sonically, but just in terms of their their adventurous improvisers and they they know they never overstay their welcome when they're playing. They they think in terms of a band, not just as an individual. And um, so that's really what has only been alluring to me about those three guys. Yeah. Any setting I've played with them in. And then, you know, you add Rob Berger. The reason why Rob was involved is because the when we the song Fabulous Dependence, which is the last right song on the record, which is my a song I wrote. The, Rob I met and we were roommates, we played in bands in the nineties and, and he just an old dear friend and we played a million gigs together back in when he lived in the Bay Area. And I wanted some vintage sort of stringy and old synthy sounds on that track so I called him up and I was like hey man and he has a, has a home studio like and, and to see if he'd be into it I sent it to him and he loved it and he was like yeah I got some ideas so so I just sort of let him go to town with uh, with that track and, and put some really beautiful old synthy things to sort of help pad out that and just add more um, texture to that track because um, yeah. all those artists are really I mean all of them are really experimental I mean when you talk about Skerrick and the work he did with Les Claypool and you got you know the Herbie Hancock slide of things the Sting slide of things and definitely the Laurie Anderson slide of things it seems like it'll be a little bit of a challenge to kind of rein some of that in because all of them are very experimental type of, of players they're fantastic players but it's yeah, just it's yeah it's one of those things where it seems like you almost have to kind of squash some of that and kind of keep it under control before it gets out of hand well, but that's what, well but that's the thing about them as musicians it's like you know they got the vibe of everything and they do their thing and they they make they just raise the level of the, of the music that's and awesome. that's why we all play together you know what i mean it's like there's total trust and, and excitement and they they'll do things that, that you know none of us will expect all of them you know so it's, it's it's just part of the adventure and that's me too i just like the idea of pushing pushing the envelope and trying new things and, and you know that's, yeah, that's awesome if there's like some type of general overarching description of this project of this album specifically everybody wins what would you how would you describe it i'd say that this album is an extension of what will and i have been doing and um and an expansion and it's 
further part of the trajectory of where we're going, which is, uh, you know, some oftentimes where you don't know where you're going, and um, that's the excitement of it. It's, it's yeah, I'd say I, that's what I'd say, you know. But I, the, the thing about this record to me is it's it's a more concise record, being that we, we the way we use the studio, and I feel like it's it's uh, the tunes really hold up over and will you know we'll, it'll be it could be on your listening device for multiple listens in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you mentioned some touring, and um, so and you you have a quintet. Who's who's the quintet? Well, we're touring right now with Ciro and Skerrick and Jeff, and obviously me and Will. Um, but um, and we're going to try to do that when we can. So right now we're we're playing the West Coast, and then we're going to do some dates in the Midwest next year. And we're just you know trying to book more things, and and we'll do them. You know, uh, like I said, we'll do duo shows. We'll do shows with the, the five piece if we can, and we'll do shows with you know. A trio shows, but um, so you know, we're going to try to represent the record, and what we do is as much as possible. So, yeah, you know, we can do it in duo. We can do it. That's the thing. We can play this music in duo, and it totally holds up. It totally works. So that's awesome. So, if people want to find some more information about this album and want to pick it up, where is the best place for them to go? And don't mention Spotify if it's on there. I haven't even looked to see if it is, but I don't like pushing Spotify and things like that where you guys don't make any money. Where's the best place for them to go and pick this up? Well, you can go to avsbmusic.com, which is our website, avsbmusic.com. Or you can go to uh, Royal Potato Family Records. um, And... um, yeah, that's that's awesome. the place to pick it up. If you want, you know, it's on vinyl, out of vinyl and CD, and of course it is streaming. And if you're going to stream it, just I'll ask because you turn it on in the morning and you stream it for about two months, and then we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and for those of you who are listening to this interview, we had the the music kind of uh, playing in the background of this interview, so you can kind of get a little bit of an idea of the feel of the music, and it's going to be it's it's just such a fan. And this this album is available right now, right? Yep, it's out. Awesome. Fantastic. It's out. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming in and telling us a little bit about this album and this project and a little bit of your history. It's uh, we always love, you know, checking out some of the new, you know, jazzier funk that's out there and, you know, it's it's just always refreshing to finally get a little bit more of those types of projects out there and I'm really excited about it and I hope that at some point you're going to make it over here to Atlanta. That would be great. Let yeah. me know. Let me know when you're here for sure. Absolutely, we we are we are doing our are working our hardest to get everywhere we can. So yes, for sure. Thanks. All right, thanks, Scott, for being on the show and check it out again. For those who are just tuning in, you you missed it. You missed it. <laughs> the project <laughs> is called Amendola versus Blades. That's A M E N D O L A versus Blades. B L A D E S. The new project is well. The new album is called Everybody Wins. And you can get it at uh, avsband.com and, of course, the Royal Potato Family website as well. Thanks again, Scott, for coming on. Great. Thank you. Really appreciate it.